that a very bad a popular Bible passage we found here is found in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. Matthew chapter 18 and in verse 20. The word of God reads, it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, it says, are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That where two, at least two or three, are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I'm in the midst of them. And as the Lord brought the scripture to, to heart, you know, and the Holy Spirit began to enlighten my eyes and understanding that, yes, a lot of times it's been quoted that, you know, Jesus is here, God is here, because we are two, we are three gathered together, at least we are two or three gathered. But when the Lord revealed to me that, it doesn't necessarily mean that when two or three that he is there, Yes, we are gathered in the name of Jesus. People can be gathered in the name of Jesus. But it doesn't mean Jesus is there. Because when the Lord says that, it doesn't mean he's there because when he says we are gathered in his name, in his name is not because, you know, the, the scripture makes us to understand in Matthew chapter 15, in verse 8 and 9. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9 says, These people, says, they draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He says, they draw near to me with their mouth. That is, their heart is far. So when we are gathered together in the name of Jesus, if the heart is not right, if the heart is not gathered together, we are not gathered together in one accord, in our hearts. Amen. Jesus is not there. So, ten short of 1,000 people can gather together, as long as it is high service, as long as their heart is not knit together in gathering, Jesus is not there. Hence, miracles may not happen. Hence, his manifest, his manifest presence will not be there, because you are not one in heart. So, gathering starts with the heart. How many come to church and excited? It's like, it's time to fellowship. I mean, recently things have been happening to me that I'm like, oh, okay, I come to your presence. That what has happened in the past and what is happening now, I come into your presence. But this day and this life, there's an excitement. They, you know, like, okay, I'm coming to the house of God. I'm happy. Okay, I'm time to pray. I'm okay, God. I know I have to do my devotion. I know I have to pray. I know I have to do this. It's my due diligence. It's something. The way of life is an automatic thing in my life. I wake up, the first thing you do is thank you, God. It's not something that you even think much about. It's something you just do naturally. But is there excitement inside it? Is there something that you're looking forward to as if you're going on a holiday? Amen. As if you're going for, uh, maybe you're, you're going for something that is just different. That is what gathering is all about. That We're coming. We come in excitement, rejoicing in our hearts that God, today is a new day. You wake up in the day, you are rejoicing in His presence in your heart that I know this day is different. I know God is going to do something new. When you come into His presence, you want to worship Him. You're excited in your spirit, man, that wow, I, I, I find it pleasurable to be in your presence. You know, you know for those, you know, you know, you have a spouse, you have a girlfriend, whatever. You're excited coming to say, I'm meeting someone that I love. Mm. Amen. 
Praise God. So yeah. when the Bible says that when two or three are gathered, there in my name is referring to the heart. That it's not just calling the name of Jesus that matters, but it's the right heart in which you are. Are you happy where you are? Are you happy coming today? Are you happy we are here today, together in one accord? Then Jesus said he will be there. You see, in the book of Psalm 55 in verse 21, in the book of Psalm 55 in verse 21, the Bible says, it says that the words of his mouth were smoother than butter. He said, but what was in his heart, his words were softer than oil, yet they were what? Drawn forth. So you could be gathering together in the name of Jesus, and your brother or somebody beside you could be uh, <laughs> envious of you or thinking, or the mind is at the place of work. Or, you know, maybe they're going to challenges, their mind somewhere is here. They're not here. Mm. I was watching a, a movie uh, recently, a, a series. I don't know if anyone has watched it, The Daredevil. Daredevil. And recently, the, 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 a guy was getting married. And he was going through a lot of things. And whilst they were reading the vows, you know, reading the vows, the mind, the guy's mind was so far that the priest said, I have to nod him that. What do you say? He said, oh, he said, repeat the question, please. <laughs> you know? But he just said that even while people were gathered together <laughs> to observe what is going to be there, to witness this wedding, because his heart, his mind, his father, he's not there. He couldn't, you know, but he was there in person. Amen. He was there in person. So God has to help us. And help us to check our hearts. And sometimes, even though our hearts is not, it's something that we pray about. That yes, that God will help us to get our hearts right. If we look at um, um, Genesis chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. Genesis chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. And the scripture reads, it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. It says, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. This is God speaking. The Creator. He's saying that because these guys, they have one language. When he says they are one, he wasn't just saying because they are gathered together. That means they were one mind. They were one spirit. They had one agenda. So they were knit together. It wasn't just a physical gathering. Amen? So that's why you see, God even said that whatever the purpose to do, they will succeed because they have the same agenda, the same goal, the same common goal, not just because of one benefit or the other, because of one benefit, what I'll get from the person. No, 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 no. It wasn't about the benefit, but because they were knit together. And when I look at that, even God says, whatever they purpose to do, he, they will do it. And these were people that were not worshippers of God, but yet one out, and they could not be stopped. And sometimes, you know, you hear a lot of stories. I know in this part of the world, you may not hear it so often. But the part of the other world where people do rituals, you know, to get uh, to to make money or rituals or, or powers or whatsoever. 
that in those days, I mean, things I've, I've heard is that, you know, some confession is that when they are coming to do, for example, maybe, um, for example, somebody wants a contract or wants a particular, wants to become the, the next governor, you know, let's use it in, in the state, and they said, well, you want to join this circle. To join this circle, you must perform certain rituals. And those rituals, sometimes they, it, goes on, it goes as far as they have to naked themselves before one another and perform any sacrifice. In a way, what they're trying to say is that we are revealing our nakedness, that we are a people of no shame, that we are one, not just one alone, but one in everything that we do. That way, it's a binding covenant that cannot be broken. It takes Jesus Christ. These are people of the world. They understand those things. Because all of us are hearts. The heart. The heart. I thought the Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 8, it says that, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart. It says, The pure in heart we see. So when we are gathered and our heart is together and knit together, we will see Jesus in our midst. You know, the Bible also makes us appreciate that it says two people will be sleeping, one will be taken away, and one, he's talking about the end time, when, when the rapture comes, that two people will be, will be grinding, will be, think of it in the marketplace, one will be taken away. I'm wondering, why will one be taken away, and the other will be left? It means that those two, you say two people will be sleeping on the bed. Amen. It says, maybe God takes the wife or takes the husband, one goes, one stays. If their heart were knit together, I mean, they, have no, they will have no common purpose in wherever they are doing. One cannot be left behind because you are knit together with the same purpose and the same goal and the same desire and the same drive and the same self-belief and the same belief system. But when one is taken and one is left, it means that they will not knit together because the word of God says, can two walk together unless they have agreed? It means that and two people work together unless there's an agreement within them. If there's an agreement within them, one cannot be left. There's no way you can have a business partner or you partner with a business. Uh, you, you go into business partnership and one, the part, one partner is poor and one partner is rich. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Partners means it's partners. That's what it means. That means if one is lifted up, the other one is lifted up. One is down, the both are down. It's not vice, but it's not the opposite direction. That is what it means when the Bible says, when we say two or three are gathered together in my name. And I looked at, in the book of Acts chapter 2, you know, uh, the Bible talks about in the, in the in early uh, verses of Acts chapter 2, you know, the Bible talks about when the day of Pentecost has fully come, it says, the Bible says they were in one accord. One accord. And I took time a bit to look at the dictionary meaning of what it means uh, you know, to, to, to be of one accord, you know, uh, what it means to be, to, of, to be of one accord. And one thing I begin to understand according to, to the dictionary meaning, I'm just looking for my notes here.
Note what it means here. Dictionary meaning for one accord means to be in agreement or to be in harmony. That's what the dictionary means with that. When the Bible says, and they were in one accord before the Holy Ghost came. That means these guys, they didn't just dwell together and pray together. That even while they came together at the upper room in those days to pray together, the Bible says they were in one accord. That means their hearts were together in this place of prayer. They weren't there just physically. You know, many times we see a lot of gathering, you know, everybody's reasoning of Jesus, but in their hearts, you know. And recently, sometimes, you know, I was sharing with the brother and I said, look, you know, many a times when they call certain gatherings, when they say, hey, let all of us come and pray. Some people just come and pray because they say it is good to pray. Even their heart is not there. I said, how can God move? How can I have a prayer of agreement with you? And your heart is not fully entwined with me. You're not sharing the same burden as with me. So I am feeling pain and I say, come my brother and come and join your faith with me. If you're not sharing that same burden with me, then how can God move? You see, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. That means that whatever the pain, the burden your neighbor is carrying, you too should be carrying that burden at the same time, vice versa. Then we can dig it in the place of prayer and see God at work in our lives. You know, one thing I always believe is practical Christianity. It's meaning, you know, the Bible says, you know, you know the truth and the truth will and the truth will set you free. You know, we can quote scripture from now to everlasting. But if we don't understand, then how will it work for you and her? When we talk about knowing, think of husband and wife. You get married at first, you get to know the person. It's a process. You know, we talked uh, talk a bit about sanctification this morning, that it's a process. It's not just that. You get married, you get to meet a woman first. The woman is nice, or the man is nice. You know, the best behavior, best character, and that's what happens naturally in life. Or you get to meet someone on the streets, yeah, they will smile at you, they will shake your hand, they will be nice. But when you get to spend more time together with them, you begin to see their flaws. Especially when you get married, you can date a woman for one year or two years, but you will never know her really, or the, the woman will never know the man, vice versa, until you finally decide to move in together. You don't know that the man snores, you know, and the middle of the night you say, oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> I, didn't that. I didn't know this part of you. But that's life. But it's the same thing. But because the, the Bible says in Genesis that it, it, um, um, Adam and Eve said they were naked and not ashamed because you have chosen to naked yourself. That means their hearts were together. They were not ashamed of their flaws. They came together and walked it through. It's the same thing as we gather here together. We know, you know, we, 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 we're all smiling. But as we spend time, as we fellowship, because the disciples in the book of Acts, they had fellowship. You know, they've been following Jesus for a while, before Jesus left. So they carried on in, in one accord. So begin to understand each other to the point that they knew each other as it is. That when they gathered together, they were not ashamed. And the Holy Spirit came. But it's a process. That's the thing about it. A process means I have to pay due, the due diligence. Due diligence is a process means that's the way I spend more time. You know, the people say that the more time you see, if you want to know how, if you want to know um, a fake note, you know, thinking of currency now, you say you spend more time with the real thing. Then that way, when you come, when you come in contact with a fake note, you will know that this is not the real thing. Amen. 
I remember a, 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 a wedding I attended and I was so blessed. And during the wedding, there's this gentleman, and uh, during the reception, not just the wedding, during at the reception, they played some music and they told the 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 the, 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 the husband that he should shake. Imagine shake a woman, they blindfolded the husband. This is during the reception. And she just shake different women that will come. And the one that is his wife, he should be able to know. Amen. And I looked at it that, God forgive me. I said, will I really know if my, my wife, you know, shakes man and says, brother, this is your hand. But somehow, when it was the wife that came that shook his hand, different women came, she should do. He said, this is my wife. And he got it right. I was so blessed by it that, wow, that you must have spent time. Oh, yeah. Holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> I was so touched. You know, so it's the same thing that as a church, you know, I look at it as how can we really be in one? It's one thing that we gather here together, but being in that oneness and spirit as well, it goes beyond these four corners of the world. That's the truth. It goes beyond that. It goes with us praying for one another. It goes beyond, it goes for us calling one another, visiting one another. In those days, the act of a they didn't have mobile phones. Maybe perhaps that is why they even spend more time together, breaking bread, going from house to house. You understand? But in this day and age, we have the mobile phone, we have the, the internet, we have this thing. We must communicate. Amen. We must fellowship. And that is how you get to know one another. And that is how trust is being built. So that we don't live what in isolation. So that we can that's how we can carry each other, bear each other's burden. Because for these people, and when I think about it, that ah, these people, they somebody came, he knew. I mean, in the book of Acts chapter, let's read it, Acts chapter 4, uh, from verse 32. Acts chapter 4 from verse 32. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, amen, and one soul. That's what the scripture says. Who believed? Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I stopped there. But I looked at it that the Bible says here that they were, they believed they were one heart, one soul, not anybody. And I look at it that, let's be honest, if it is your, how many people are ready to do anything for their child or for their spouse that they love? Wonder you, 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 you look if it's your last house, you will sell it to build them out to set you know to do anything for them. Your own blood, you will do it because why you are knit together, you have one heart. That is that is where people can actually pay the uh, sacrifice anything they want to. But you come to the church, you know, it's or you come to different parts of the world, you know, it's at different levels. If it is this brother, I'll do more. For him or this sister, if this person, I'll do less. And in the place of work, you know, you know, I'm a pastor in the redeemed, so I get to go to a lot of um, functions that people are doing. Then I met a gentleman, and I said, "Oh, is this person? Is this guy is doing this thing. Ah, is it good to give a gift to this person?" The gentleman said, "Yes." This is another fellow pastor. He says, "Yes. Um, if it is this person, I'm going to give this a large amount of gift." If it's this other person, I'm going to give less. And I asked the person, I said, but wait a minute, we are Christians. Should that be the, 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 you know, should that be the, the yardstick? 
that we are all one. My own belief in life is whatever you do for A in love is the same thing you have to do for B. It doesn't mean because how close I am, but I understood that because sometimes it's all about relationship. That because somehow I'm close to this brother or close to this sister, I tend to want to do more naturally. Because that other person is a bit far from me. Naturally, the natural man, it tends to want to do less. I'm not judging him, but I understand that. I can correct him, I can tell him which I do, but if he doesn't feel it, he may not want to do it. That's a natural state of mind. But what I'm trying to say here is that these people, they were one accord. That's why it didn't matter who, whether it was a stranger, because amongst them, whether it didn't matter whether it was a brother or a sister or whatsoever, because they were one accord, they saw themselves as one, because they were one in heart and one in soul. But it takes building. It's easy to say that, oh yeah, they were one accord. Church, let's all be one accord, you know, and just say it. And we think so. No, we build. That's how it is. We build. We get to know one another more and more. And we will see, when we get to that level, we will begin to see more of the manifold presence of God in our lives. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. Solomon said something in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. From verse 9, and I'll read from the different translation. Solomon said something, Ecclesiastes 4, from verse 9. He says, Two people are better off than one. He says, For they can help each other succeed. He said, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm? Is Solomon talking? So, church, I just is encouraging us that whatever we do, amen, we should do it with all our heart. When we come, come rejoicing. When you come, when two or three of us are gathered, it's intentional thing that we need to do to build so that our gathering is not gathering just in terms of the physical gathering. When the Lord said about the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day wasn't just about, oh, just come and worship God. Yes, that is part of it. But the Sabbath day was about a time to come and fellowship. That's why the Bible says that they should do no work. In those days, that means whoever had donkey would not ride the donkey. Amen. So imagine in this day, they say whoever has a car, we shouldn't drive a car on a Sunday because we are listening. But the idea was so that the people can fellowship together, get to talk on the street as you walk, you know, your neighbor, you meet your neighbor, you walk with your family, you're talking. You know, you don't walk with someone and just be silent like a zombie. You have a conversation. As the hours of week, I was listening, you get to understand what they're going through. You get to fellowship. That was, you know, when God puts things in place, sometimes people think they're smarter than God. You know, sometimes we think we are too busy or too fast or we have to, you know. But God has put this thing in place so that He can help us to it's for our own good. We think we're in a race. We think we are, we know it, we know how to do it better. But it's for our own good. But when I look at it, that is the essence. When I went to, I mean, when I was in England, because I, in England, we lived among the Jews uh, in Golders Green. And one thing on the Sabbath day is that you never sit there, but it's the fellowship. They come back, go, they go together to the, to, uh, to the synagogue. They walk back all the way back to their individual home. Even as they go home, they go and have a, a, you know, a dinner or, you know, in a cafe or whatever, together, you know, it's fellowship. 
It's understanding. And that is how they, you know, they bond together. And I remember when my mom wanted to buy the house in Golders Green. I remember they were looking at it. Like, Who is this foreigner? Who is this African lady that is coming to buy a property? So they ganged up. You know, that's what they used to do in those days. They would buy. They said, okay, since one of the brethren is selling, they will all put money together and buy the building until somebody else who is a Jew is coming to buy. Because it's a community that is knit together. There's no one anything to break that bond. Are you following trying to do anything? Because they've come so far. They protect one another. You can look at it. I'm not looking at it from a selfish point of view, but I'm looking at it as that when we are when two or three are gathered, our soul, our heart are one, one purpose together. And that is how they conquer. That is how they you know they dominate together. And that's what we need to do. But it is intentional. Part of the, uh, the, 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 the Sunday school topic today about discipleship is intentional. It doesn't just happen just, just for your life or oh, miracle. No. Intentional, that means I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do something. Um, I'm going to make, uh, I might have to make myself uncomfortable. Amen. Do you understand? I mean, I want to go home now and just put my leg out, but because it's intentional, I'm not just going to go home and just put my leg on my couch. I go out the extra miles. Amen. The last time, I don't know when we met again. I mean, we haven't done that in a while. Where we we'll go to, we'll be talking about it. If you know, we'll go to you know on a Sunday or whatever. Just announce maybe once a month. Oh, I'm hosting. It doesn't mean you have to cook. So maybe sometimes other people are thinking of the work involves. You know, I'm going to cook, you know, I'm going to feed you. No, also does simply means, you know, when I come for a tea, coffee, it's part of the fellowship. And that's the truth. It's not about the eating, but it's the togetherness. And that is how we get to understand one and share each other's burden. And that is what the church is all about. Not just to come and hear Jesus, the scripture, but the fellowship. Even God himself, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they communicate. They communicate, they communicate. In the book of Genesis, when the world is saying, ah, let us make man in our own image and own likeness, they communicate. God wants fellowship. He created us to worship him. He wants fellowship. He wants to commune with man. How much we? Man too wants to commune. No man is an island. No man wants to remain alone. So God coming in our presence takes unity in heart. The Bible talked about soul and David and, and, and Jonathan. The Bible says the, the souls were knit together. They will knit together. That's what the Bible says. So, church as a random, let it be intentional. But this gathering starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ as well. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, as a random, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23 says, Lord, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It says, But who? Does the will of the Father in heaven. He says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, are we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I'll declare unto them, I never knew you apart from me. You who practice lawlessness. So when we talk of relationship with God, it's relationship. So when I talk about salvation experience, salvation experience causes a man, as I said last week, when Peter saw what Jesus did. He even said, I'm a man that he's a sinner. He appreciates that he can't even uh, come close to Jesus. Amen. That is what Peter was saying. When Isaiah, even being a prophet that has been prophesied, 
the Bible says that when in the book of Isaiah, when it's like when he came in contact with God. The Bible says the man said, Who is me? That means I'm a man of unclean leaves. He understood the simple nature. Salvation experience is a transforming period where you too, you will know you are a man of sin that God, I just want to have a change. It's not just people saying, Give your life to Christ. No. It's the heart that is being saved. It's not, yes, the Bible says, you know, we believe in the heart. That means the heart has been transformed. They will confess in with our mouth. When that doesn't happen, maybe people just come to Jesus because of what they're going through. You know, you know a lot of people come to crusade. I always say this thing, you know, I was sharing with a brother recently. And I, the brother was saying, no, oh, he was talking about some ministry. And I was talking like, yes, I said, to be honest, where miracle, I mean, people who always come to Christ, Jesus, for need basis. If you get 1,000 people easily, you might get 95, 98.9% coming for a need basis. When God has done that, and that's why you see in crusade, when you, you know, I've seen it, I mean, I, in Ireland, they will do the same thing. We have Holy Ghost service. You call a lot of people, they come out, come and give your life to God. You might have 500 people come out to give their life to God. I mean, we follow this, in, you know. So you, you have a card, people fill out the card, and the general will say, I will say, I will pray for you. You will get a miracle. People will come out. But after that day, how many people go to church? All those cards, if you find, if you find five plug into a church after that day, you've done well. Because it's need best. Because you receive the miracle, that is it. And after a miracle, you come again, you get it, and you go. It's not relationship. That's why there's no change. You keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. God will help us. Amen. Because of time. Let's just bow our heads and just take ourselves to God. The, the, the Lord, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart that see God. That God, wherever I've missed it, Lord, come and touch and give me a heart.